0: So today we are uh, we're, start, we're starting a series I'm really 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 excited about. So a couple of months ago, uh, a dear friend Tony Finley sent me a book that I cannot encourage you enough to read. It's called How to Worship a King. I've read this book two or three times now. I've highlighted it, I've given it away, I've told people to buy it, and I want to tell you order this book and it's called How to Worship a King. And uh, much of what this series uh, did in my heart was the recognition of what I learned working through Scripture and this book. And it will radically change your personal spiritual temperature. If you're in one of those seasons where you feel like, man, maybe, maybe I'm just not on fire for Christ like I once was or wish I were... This is one of those books that when you read through it, you have this overwhelming sense that God has a blessing for you, that God has a plan for you, and God has a unique and wonderful design for you that always includes him and always focuses on him. And so uh, today, I'm excited to launch this series, A King, A Priest, and A Kingdom. Uh, I want to thank you in advance for you guys being a part of launch next week. I also want to remind you that group registration opens up next week. Guys, I'll be doing a 6 a.m. Thursday morning Bible study this fall. And uh, it's really a very cool, very cool group. So I'll do the coach's Bible study at Lanier at 6 on Wednesday. Do 6 o'clock here with guys on Wednesday. And did you know that yesterday was National Watermelon Day? Did y'all know that? I mean, it was, I mean, how did y'all miss that? So today, uh, we had planned to eat watermelon outside, but with the rain, we moved the watermelon inside. So we get done, just get it all over you. If your kids aren't completely sticky, you didn't do it right, all right? If you feel like you have to tell your kid, we are going to rinse you off with a hose before you get in the car, you've arrived at a great moment of watermelon day. So uh, thanks for being with us here at Sugar Hill Church. I I know it sounds like the opening line of a bad joke, right? A king, a priest, and a kingdom walk into this bar. But you know, the short series is about that. It's about a king, it is about many priests, and it is about a kingdom. And I'm looking forward not only to today, but next week, because next week we're gonna talk all about blessings and what they mean to you in a heavenly sense, but also in the sense of your normal Monday through Saturday. The series is all about you. It's about what you worship, how you worship, where you worship, and it's not a difficult learning, but it might require us all to unlearn a few things. We, we might need to unlearn what we've been taught for decades about exactly who is my king, what exactly is my role, and in what kingdom might the God of all creation have in store for me, and by the way, for you. In His kingdom, so I want to settle just a few things that are kind of guidelines for the series that hopefully will help you get at what we're trying to accomplish. And that is, first, I believe without any hesitation, God created the heavens and the earth. Now it doesn't really matter what, whatever is taught, whatever books that every assumption that I'm making here is is started from the belief that God indeed created the heavens and the earth. Secondly, I'll be speaking from the teaching and and earthly position that God has an extraordinary plan for us while we're here and even has a job title and job description that might just blow your mind. Third, I'm asking you to suspend whatever your teaching has been regarding God's plan for your life and open up your heart, your mind and your soul to what God has to say about this issue. Your plan, your job, your role with the recognition he is the king, it is his kingdom, none of us rode to church with a crown and we didn't show up with a scepter. But before we get going, would you join me in praying, Lord, we are grateful that on this day we've come to meet with you. We've come into your house and we've come to hear from you. We've come to worship one. that's you. God, let everything we do point to you. And I pray every single person that is watching online or here in this room or will listen throughout the week will meet you face to face and we would know exactly what you want us to do in your name, in the precious name of Jesus our Lord. And everyone said, amen. I think a lot of folks sit here week after week and oftentimes Uh, we're here because somebody else just wanted us to be here. Or maybe uh, we're here because that's what I've done all my life. I do this at 9.30 or 11 on Sundays. Or I'm here looking for something that I must be missing. And honestly, what I really hope you're here to do is to meet God. What I really trust is that you're here and that you want to be able to hear from the creator of the universe and that he might speak to you in a highly personal way. I trust and I believe that God is longing for us to engage with him in a deep and personal way that we are driven to action even if and maybe especially if that means walking away from everything we might have known or thought about church i want you to know that everything we do every day at some in some shape form or fashion is about worship we all worship something But friend, I want you to hear me. Music and standing and hands in the air and singing in the right key, those things aren't worship. Being happy or emotional during worship services isn't about it's your favorite song or isn't your favorite song. It's not really about singing in the old-fashioned way or the newfangled way. Worship starts when we know who to worship. I know the king of the universe, the creator of life and living, the son of the living God and the spirit, which he dwells within his children. He is the king, he is the object of our worship, not the song, not the singer, not the band, not the preacher, not the church, and certainly not the denomination. Our object and our attention to worship is directed and projected to the thrice holy king, of the universe amen amen and amen and you could stop right there that it is all about him why do we come here together well yes we come come here to be encouraged yes we come here to be a part of this wonderful social experience of the body of christ yes we come here to do mission and ministry outside of the doors of our church but we primarily come here on a sunday morning that we bring our worship and we offer it not to those around us, not to those on the stage, but literally to open up the ceiling and let our praise, let our worship all be heaven sent. Amen, amen, and amen. I adore the fact that God spends a lot of energy and a lot of quality time in his word, teaching us who we are, who we are to him, our creator, we are children of God, friends of God, citizens of heaven, redeemed, and we are a kingdom of priests. Now, I, I, I can hear your brain, I can even see the steam coming out of your ears as you're checking off the different marks. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on this one, this one, this one, but wait a minute, Chuck, that last one, I gotta make sure I heard that right, a kingdom of priests. You see, I think it's easy for us to know who the king is because we recognize we're not him. We know the powers of this earth aren't him. But that last statement, Chuck, you aren't seriously thinking and suggesting that I'm a priest, are you? I mean, I, I would think if I were you, I, I don't know that there's been many people in my life that have said to me, Chuck, you are a priest. I mean, no offense, but Chuck, I'm no priest. Well, honestly, me either. But yet this is what we're called to be. You are indeed called to be a priest and not just anywhere. You're called to be a priest that serves the king and you're called to serve a king in his kingdom. The Old Testament, friend, listen, regardless of what famous preachers may say, the Old Testament is still a very real and active part of our life. Jesus came and he brought with him the gospels and the telling of the story in the New Testament. His life, miracles, death, burial, resurrection, his church, and all that we're to be doing. But Jesus came to fulfill the law of the Old Testament. He came to complete the story. But we are still part of that story. And you might say, but I'm no priest, Chuck. I don't do priest well. Well, let me just stop and say, hang on to your britches for just a minute. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses is coming down from the mountain. And he sees his people are now worshiping a golden calf that his brother has helped them create. Now, Moses has been on the mountain and he's been with God. And if you're familiar with the the old, old movie, The Ten Commandments, when when Charlton Heston comes down, you can see the glow. I mean, he's got a whole new uh, suntan and his hair is windswept. I mean, he's coming out like Beyonce and he's just ready and glowing and it's just all of a sudden he gets down and he sees, what has happened to my people? When I left, they were worshiping God. When I came back, they were worshiping an idol. What happened? How could my brother do this? So Moses, who's got to be hot, I mean, he's got to be thinking, I just left God and you guys are building golden calves what in the world come on man but listen to what moses says he says whoever's on the lord's side come follow to me and come to me and the only group in all those tribes of israel the only group that ran to him were a group known as the levites and from that time on god gave the ministry of the tabernacle to the levites because of their commitment to holiness. So you're saying, wait a minute, Chuck, you got these tens of thousands of people and all of a sudden, while while Moses is gone, they have given up on the God of Israel. They've given up the God of all creation. They've given up the fact that he has brought them out of slavery. And in the middle of this, Moses comes down and they said, you know what, you were just gone too many days. We're going with the calf. But he screams and says, everybody who wants to run away from that calf and wants to run to God, run to me. And the only people that run to him are the Levites. Now, from that time on, God gave the ministry of his tabernacle to the Levites, why? Because of their commitment to holiness. (coughs) You say, well, that's great, Chuck, that's for them. How am I a priest? I mean, how does that work out? Excuse me. Well, That's a great question. How did the ministry of the tabernacle somehow translate to the ministry of the church of the Lord Jesus in the 21st century? All right, now stick with me. So in the Old Testament, while we're still worshiping idols and while we're still bringing animal sacrifices, because Jesus hasn't shown up on the earthly scene yet, then we have the Levites that are in charge of all the things around the tabernacle. Whatever happens around the tabernacle, it's their job. Like when they all camp out in the wilderness, the people that sleep around and hang out around the tabernacle are the Levites. And you say, well, what's the big deal about the tent, the tabernacle? Because this was where God resided. Remember, Jesus hasn't come. He hasn't sent the Holy Spirit at this time. God is meeting people in the tabernacle. And the Levites are in charge of that. Over the course of history, we have turned the priesthood away from them preparing the tabernacle and bringing God with them as they go. We turn the priesthood into an exclusive club with grand and exclusive members and benefits. And back before the Levites ran to answer God's call in Exodus 32, God had already de- ordained who were to be his priests. You see, God desired that the people of Israel, his chosen people, would be the priests. It was never designed by God for it to be an exclusive club. In Exodus chapter 19, Verses 5 and 6, you can see that God has been meeting with Moses on the mountain. He's teaching Moses what to say. And in verse 5 it says, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be on my special treasure from among all the people on earth. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. So God intended for his kids to be priests. Now, let me just stop and say, you might think, Chuck, that was for the people of Israel. But no, listen, friend, if you're a born again follower of Jesus, of the son of the living God, he's talking about you. You see, when the Old Testament, while it's still about our life day to day, Jesus came to fulfill that law. And for every child of God that said, I choose Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. You are called to be a priest and a part of a holy nation. You say, Chuck, listen, that's not what I want. I don't want that. I just want to show up and go to church. Okay, you can do that. You truly can. The problem is, do you want God's best all over your life? We say, yeah, Chuck, I want God to bless me. I want God to use me. I want God to be blessed by me. I want God to saturate every part of my life because I believe he has the best for me yet to come. Then you can sit and soak or you can take up the mantle of being a priest like you were called to be in a holy nation. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, the text says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual life temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Who is Peter writing about? Are you ready? You. He's talking to you. He's not talking about the people that were out in the wilderness. He's not talking about the Levites. He's saying what was their job. Now, as a born-again believer, it's your job. You say, but Chuck, there's no way I'm called to be a priest. Do you know what I was doing last night? And Jesus is saying, yes, I I absolutely know what you were doing last night. I want you to step into this world of the holy nation and follow me and follow the directives that I had with the Levites in being a part of my temple. You didn't just come to church today, you came to help prepare the temple, the church for the worship of the thrice holy God. Peter turns the heat up a little more in verse 9. He says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. I know, right? Mind equals blown. That verse is so power-packed. I want you to think about it. You, you were chosen by God to be a priest. Come on. On. Somebody get fired up about that. I mean, seriously. God looked down at your life and he said, I pick you to be a priest as a part of my holy nation. Could I get one person, get it fired up, and think God picked me to be a priest as a part of his holy nation. That is a golf clap if I've ever heard it. I'm serious. God picked you. The God of all creation came down and said, Jen, I pick you you think about that for a minute god said i could pick from the whole world but i picked you you got drafted into the nfl straight out of second grade god said i pick you well why does god want you to be a priest he wants you to be a priest to declare the praises of the god who saved you and set you free I'm begging you to get fired up. I'm gonna say it again. What does God want you, why does he want you to be a priest? To declare the praises of God, the God who saved you, the God who set you free, the God that must be thinking today, how can people not be overwhelmingly fired up, crazy minded that I pick them? And it's because we've been trained to sit in a church and hear a little music that we like or dislike Listen to a sermon that we like or dislike. Leave after an hour or somewhere around that. And we've done our thing. This is so important for everything you do in the rest of your life that I'm going to bug you about it through this whole sermon. Every time I ask the question, who are you? I want you to say out loud, I am a priest. So let's try that. Who are you? Okay, that's like first day of school. That's, that's when you're not sure uh, about everybody. It's like your, your first day in first grade and, you know, Mrs. Dollar is in charge. She says, now, everybody say hello. And like half the class goes, hi. Right? So let's try it again. Who are you? Yes, you most certainly are. But listen, folks, when the Levites ran toward Moses, they picked up weapons too. They meant business. They were cleaning house from where they were to where God wanted them to be. They weren't jogging. They weren't uh, licking their finger, putting up to see which way the wind was. They didn't have a poll. I mean, they didn't have a debate. They didn't have an argument. I mean, you know what they did? They picked up their weapons and they ran. Why? They got after it. So say it with some conviction, say it with some passion. Say it like a warrior ready to do battle with Satan. Say it with a growl. Say it with gratitude because it is one of the greatest privileges in history. Who are you? Yes, you are. And I'm telling you, you regular, common, everyday Jesus followers, just like me, you have been ordained by God with no regard to your worthiness, your pedigree, your education. You are not called to something you're not equipped to do. You are fully equipped to do this. I don't care how the university degreed you. I don't care how the world has labeled you. I don't care what your mama said you couldn't do. I don't care what the Pope says. According to the word of God, your creator has called you, qualified you, and ordained you to be a priest. So I want to ask you again, who are you? come on now. You're saying, well, Chuck, so far I'm digging this whole priest thing. I'm, I'm ready to run through a few walls, but let's dispense with a few things that priests don't do. You know, to be a priest, you don't have to become a stoic or some stodgy hermit to be a priest. There's no need for a collar or a robe. There's no seminary prerequisite. You are a priest because you are a child of God. Yeah, you have some benefits in store for you, and I guarantee you that you're going to want this job. But for simplicity's sake, let me give you a summary of what priests are meant to do. Priests are meant to worship God and to help other people worship God. And this is how they did it. When God consecrated and separated the Levites from all the other tribes of Israel, he gave them the responsibility of taking care of the tabernacle. In the book of Numbers, chapter 1, starting in verse 49, it says, do not include the tribe of Levi in the registration. Do not count them with the rest of the Israelites. Put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant along with all its furnishings and equipment. They must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as you travel and they must take care of it and camp around it. Whenever it is time for the tabernacle to move, the Levites will take it down. And when it is time to stop, they will set it up again. But any unauthorized person who goes too near the tabernacle must be put to death. God ain't playing. Each, time, each tribe of Israel will camp in a designated area with its own family banner. But the Levites will camp around the tabernacle of the covenant to protect the community of Israel from the Lord's anger. And the Levites are responsible to stand guard around the tabernacle. How about that? You and I are called and we are consecrated to care for the tabernacle. Now, that's the place in the Old Testament where God resided, right? Right? That's where he was camped. The priests were to care for the house of God. And by the way, that same call is on your life. That you are a priest in a modern-day sense, in the 21st century, to have the same priestly calling. If you aren't tending to the house of God, you're slacking and you're calling as a priest. And who are you? Let's try it again. And who are you? This is a big deal, folks. You're a priest. And every place you go becomes a spot where people have an opportunity to hear about and meet God. If you're in a checkout lane at Walmart, this is an opportunity for the person behind you to meet God. Through you, at Publix, the ballpark, the office, the restaurant. It's an opportunity for people around you to meet with God. At home, just being around you is an opportunity for your spouse and your kids to meet with God. To break it down just a little bit, we are to help lead people to experience God. Your day is filled with heavenly ordained meetings that God intersects in your life so that they might have an experience with god we are not simple parishioners we are holy priests priests can set up meetings between god and man so get ready because when you embrace the life of a priest god's going to begin opening up opportunities for you to host meetings between his son and the people he loves but wait there's more as a priest we can carry the presence of god in deuteronomy chapter 10 beginning in verse 8 the scripture paints this canvas of our job. At the time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name. That's where we're going next week. What kind of blessings? When we say things about, oh, that blessed me. Well, that's not what we're talking about. The blessings that were passed on through these Levites were eternal blessings, were lifelong blessings. The the ability that we might know that God always loves us, is always for us, and always has a plan for this. The Lord himself was the greatest blessing the Levites had. The presence of God was the greatest blessing they had. You say, Chuck, I want my family to be far better. Then let the presence of God enter your home. I want my job to be better. Let the presence of God take over your job. You say, but Chuck, I don't know how to do that. Surrender to being a priest. What does a priest do? He brings the word of the Lord wherever they go. You are to be a priest. You say, but Chuck, when I'm sitting at Wendy's with a triple cheese Baconator, I I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Chew longer. (laughs) Listen, Levitical priests were permitted to carry the Ark of the Covenant only on their shoulders with the poles that God had described Moses. Can't you see the pictures now? You got to got, carry carrying the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant is bigger than, you know, some movie. It is literally the presence of God. They are carrying the presence of God. What does that look like? In Scripture, anywhere the priests obediently carried the Ark, there was life, there was mercy, there was fertility and there was victory. Everywhere God goes, we see great things happen. At home, in the office, in the hospital, on a job site. Who are you? No. Who are you? One more time. Who are you? You doggone right you are. Can you imagine what would happen in this world if only we took those two truths and believed them? That we we are there to help prepare the temple for people to come meet God. And then as we leave, we're to take God with us. This is why Jesus came. This is why he lives in our heart through the presence of the Spirit of God. Not so you can come here and like or dislike a piece of music, but you could go love people in the name of Jesus the Lord. Who are you? You doggone right you are. Today, let's stop with that huge role and know that Deuteronomy 10 informs us that priests are to stand before the Lord and minister. You say, now, Chuck, we do a lot of that around here. No, no, no. Before you're ever supposed to go minister with backpacks over at the schools, whatever else you're before you do anything, your first obligation is to minister and send blessings to the Lord. Your number one job as a priest is not to go out there and do good things. Because if you don't meet him, what you do out there is just stuff. But when you meet him and you take him with you and you pray over that backpack or you pray over that meal or you pray over that area where you're headed to to mission, somehow we got it wrong. This priesthood is not about us, it's about him. We got our worship wrong. It's not about who does the best music, what kind of music you do, it is about him. If you can't worship him, you literally have chosen something up here between you and him. And you make that choice. Not the people up here. Zach doesn't make that choice for you. You make that choice. Do you want to take on the role of a priest? Listen, folks. Priests court the heart of God. King Saul, he was a politician. He, he sought after the appraise, appraises of man. He wanted the affirmation of man. You know who David was? He was a man after God's own heart. That gives us an idea of what we're to do. Are you ready to leave the world of fake gods and enter the kingdom whose king calls you to be a priest? Then call on the name of the Lord today and he promises to hear you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we have been called by you to be priests in a holy nation. And God, would you pour out your richest blessing upon these folks. I pray they'd walk out of here taking hold of the fact that you've called them to be priests. It didn't stay with the Levites. It didn't stay in the Old Testament. Lord, you brought the completion by calling your people and giving them the task of preparing your home to receive people who needed and wanted to know God. That when we leave, we're going to take that spirit of God that dwells within us and we're going to bring it to the world that we're gonna come back next week and we wanna tear open the roof of this house, that we might offer every blessing and every praise, all of our worship to you and to you alone. And God, for folks in here today who have never given their life to you, I pray God that right now they would say, Jesus, come into my life, make me new, forgive me of my sin, I wanna turn from living for me, I wanna take hold of this priesthood and live for you. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, that you rose from the dead for me, and you can live in my life through your Holy Spirit right now. God, I pray you would bless these folks as they take hold of that. And that you might move them to follow in believers' baptism, just like these folks this past hour. Lord, we love you and we praise you that you trusted us to be a holy priesthood. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. It's been so good to be in the house of the Lord with you. Thank you. I trust that you will leave here today by letting the Lord go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That you'll allow him to go within you and bring you peace, joy, fulfillment, and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And I pray in the days that are just beating you up, that you'll let him come and you can hop on his back and he'll carry you through the middle of whatever that challenge is, only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his arms around you so you can hear your savior and your king say, my priest, I love you and I always will. God bless you, friend. Go in peace.